You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 170, Exploring Post-High School Options with Stephanie Haynes. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama. Welcome to episode 170. Every 10th show, I do interviews, which tend to be a little bit longer than my regular episodes, so I hope you'll make the time for this one. My guest today is education coach and consultant Stephanie Haynes. She provides custom educational consulting and coaching for high school students, educators, and schools to build a pathway to a successful future teens are excited to pursue. Stephanie helps her clients create compelling visions for their futures, their classrooms, or their schools, and develop actionable steps to build them into reality. Through structured conversations, Stephanie helps her clients identify limiting mindsets, create an awareness of their current circumstances, and develop action plans to move forward with confidence. This is a little bit different than my usual interviews in that there's a lot of data, a lot of information in it. But don't worry about remembering it all. Stephanie has generously agreed to give away a copy of her new book titled College is Not Mandatory that will guide you through navigating all the options available to your kids after high school and provide strategies and specific open-ended questions to use in conversations with your teens about their future. To enter the giveaway, just find the post for this episode on my Instagram account at lessdramamama and follow the instructions. All right, Mama, please enjoy this episode with Stephanie Haynes. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here today. Thanks. Tell us a little bit about um, your background and why you decided to write a book on college for parents, especially, and and not making college something that's mandatory for teenagers? Yeah. So um, I have been in in education since the early 90s. I actually decided to be a high school teacher or a teacher, at least in second grade. And that never wavered, which is very, very rare. Yeah. I found my um, home in education and I love it. I think it's a fantastic place to be that's fraught with all kinds of problems, but all kinds of beautiful things too. And so I've been in the classroom as a high school teacher. I have been a homeschool teacher for my own children. I have worked in public schools and charter schools and all kinds of things and have just been around teenagers for a lot and recognize that the teenage population is, is one that often gets overlooked And as parents of teenagers, we often don't get as resourced as we did when our children were little, you know, there's a bazillion resources and books for young kids and how to parent them. It tends to drop off in terms of helping them figure out what to do with life after high school. My most recent teaching job was working for a school that focused a lot on the future that kids could have by attending that school and by attending high school in general. And I watched as kids who didn't quite fit the mold, even my own children who didn't quite fit the traditional mold of schooling, um, felt that they weren't going to be able to be successful. They weren't good enough. They weren't great kids simply because college or even schooling wasn't their thing. And I watched the anxiety levels rise over the last decades. I've watched fear come into parents' hearts that, oh my gosh, my kid's not going to get into college. What's going to happen? And it really started bothering me. And a friend of mine said, you know, maybe you should just start writing about this. 
Um, and so I started with a series of blog posts about why we really should be thinking about college in a different way, why it's not mandatory and why that mentality is just hurting our kids in general because it limits them, not because college is a bad option, but because it's not necessarily meant for everybody. And that led to research about all the different options that are available. And the more I started learning, the more excited I got about the opportunities every single human being on the face of this planet has to build success their own ways. And I grew very frustrated that we weren't talking about it and thought, okay, someone's got to do it. And I guess it's going to be me. So <laughs> I wrote the book. Awesome. Now I love this. I, the reason that this book appealed to me in the first place was that, I mean, I'm always telling my clients to question all of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is one of those beliefs that I find myself struggling with. This actually, you know, spoke to one of my beliefs like, wait, what? College is not mandatory. Not, not, not that it's not mandatory, but I guess like I know it's not mandatory. And um, you know, and I also know it's not the key to a successful life. I think we've seen plenty of examples in real life that, you know, of people who have been successful and not gone to college. But I think, and I so I it's easy for me to say, well, it's not necessary or mandatory for other people's kids, (laughs) but when it comes to my kids, right, that's a whole other story. Um, and I'll admit I'm, I'm not really in touch with college these days. Like I graduated 25 years ago. And so I haven't, you know, visited college campuses. I I really don't know what the atmosphere is like, although I've heard it's very different Mm -hmm. now than it was, um, when I was in college and probably even more so since the pandemic started. So I guess let's start there. Like what, what is it that we need to know now as parents about college, the college experience? Yeah. I'd like to start with a little bit of background if that's okay, before we get into that college experience part. Please. Yeah. When I first started teaching, um, even when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 1987. So I'm old, but the idea then was college was something, if you needed to go, you went, but if you didn't need to, because you weren't going to have a particular career that needed it, you didn't. And you were going to be fine. Five years later, when I stepped into the classroom for the first time, there was still that, that, that that discussion was still going on. Kids could graduate. It was going to be fine. They could have job career skills, you know, in high school is fine. But as the culture changed to start focusing more on white collar jobs versus blue collar jobs, Students started thinking and parents started thinking that the best way for their child to make it out of their particular current living situation was to go to college, to get that job, to get that higher income level. And for a while, I think that was very true. And what happened is colleges started saying to high schools, hey, those kids are coming unprepared. They don't have the right education level we need them to have. You need to change what you do. So we did. And I remember very specifically getting communications going, these are things that we need your kids to know before they can get here. That was in the early 90s, right? Up until the early 2000s. And everything shifted in those first 10 years that I was teaching. It went from, you could probably just be fine graduating high school and moving on to maybe a trade school or maybe getting some career training, but you could have multiple of jobs and be fine to know it's college is the only option. If you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. When I stepped back into the classroom in 2017, there was a frenzy. Parents had been told for the last 10, 15 years, if your child doesn't go to school, they're not going to be successful. That was the culture. That is our culture. That was the dynamic that was presented. And nobody really stopped to question it until we had those kids, those graduates going, wait, you told me to go to college. You told me to get these student loans. And now these student loans are really destroying my life. 20 Mm. years 
pay off this college. What is wrong? This is not right. And people started thinking about college in a little bit different, but no one knew what else was out there because all of the other options had been stigmatized. Think about it. If you knew a friend who was going to go off to cosmetology school, it's because they couldn't make it in real school. If they were going off to a community college because they couldn't get into a big school, right? That was the stigma that was developed. And that was part of marketing and branding and all kinds of things in the way our culture developed. No disrespect to the colleges and universities who can very much do a good job helping kids prepare for particular careers, but not every career. Then you add in the college experience, which, you know, when we went, there was quite a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But today there's a lot of extra stuff thrown in. My daughter recently graduated from University of Missouri and she's now happily in cosmetology school. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. the idea was in her college experience, so they have what they call silly week. The first week of school, everybody drinks and parties the entire week because <laughs> really, it doesn't really matter. The school class doesn't matter because the teachers are just giving going over the syllabus. So there's no homework, there's no assignments, no nothing. And, you know, okay, but we're paying tens of thousands of dollars for our kids to have a high level education. And what are we getting as a result? One, most of the time now they're getting theoretical knowledge, not necessarily experiential, although with internships, it can be, but there's a gluttony of college degrees and it's hard to find a job. Now it's very hard to find a job that pays what you think you're supposed to make based on the money you just took out in loans to be able to get the education you needed to get. So, so that's where we're at in terms of, in terms of the whole college experience. There is a nostalgia attached to that. You know, if, if we've gone to college, remember how we remember how great it was. We went to a big school, remember maybe sporting events, remember this great feeling of freedom and fun and wonder and experience. Yes. Talk to me about this because this is where I'm getting stuck. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we think about all of that, right? So think through the result of all of that. When you look at back at the investment that you got, that you made into that university for the amount of time investment and the amount of financial investment you made, would you be willing to pay that exact same amount plus, you know, inflation that we have so your child could have that same experience and possibly follow that same path of maybe not even staying in the career that you have, maybe not yet, maybe not even getting the training they really need, maybe now having to get that master's degree, which means staying for a fifth and maybe sixth year you know, what is that worth that investment? And that's a values clarification question, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a right or wrong. It's a values thing. But what we're doing is we're imposing, and I don't mean in a negative way, but we're projecting that image onto our children. And that may or may not be their perspective, nor may it be their desire. And that's where I think we kind of get stuck as parents because we think we know what we want for our kids and it's going to be great for them and they just need to go versus helping them explore for themselves what they really want, whether it's a four-year degree college or not, so that when they go, they make the most of the investment of their time and potentially their money or our money that we've saved for them in whatever way is going to best help them to become the human being that they want to become. And that's what this book is about. It's not about saying, don't go to college. It's about how can we equip our children to determine for themselves what is their best pathway to a successful future that they want and how can we help them identify all those parts and pieces that go into that decision. Okay, so I'm just gonna push back a little bit because this is where I'm struggling, okay? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so how do you know, like you're saying help them to make the decision, but in their 17 or 18-year-old brain to, to me, I mean, there are some kids, yeah, who they want to go to college and they want a specific degree and all of that. 
But then there are other kids who you know that if they were if they were in that environment, they they would do very well and you want that for them. But but it seems like a 17, 18 year old, a lot of them would want to take quote the easy way out, right? And say, like, no, I don't want to go to school for another four years. So I'm gonna take a gap year or something like that. And it's sort of like it's not necessarily linked to their goal. It's just linked to what they want in the moment. Hmm. Well, you said some two really good points there. Okay. One, it's not linked to their goal, which yeah. means we're operating an assumption that they have a goal, right? So if our teenagers have a goal of what they want to be able to achieve, mm-hmm. our role as their parent is to help them identify how to get there. A gap year, and that in the book, I call it a gap season because it's not traditionally a gap year. It's actually can be anywhere from seven weeks to 18 months, depending Mm -hmm. A gap year can definitely be a much more strategic opportunity than what it's been branded, right? There are actual um, accredited organizations that provide opportunities for students to learn and experience life in a different way that are structured and do not allow our child to sit on the couch and play Xbox. for. Yeah, no, I really did appreciate you saying that in the book because I I was like, oh, that makes much more sense to me than just taking a year off. Yeah. Mm And that's mm-hmm. not what we're, that's not what this is about, right? This is not about having our teenagers go, well, I get that there are all these options. I'm just not going to choose any of them. That's yeah. not an option, right? Okay. As parents, we can set up those healthy boundaries ahead of time and start talking with our children say, what, what are you most interested in? And it's about the conversation leading up to it. We're not waiting till they're 17 years old to have this conversation. If we're, if we're parents that are effective, we're helping them have this conversation. We're helping them dive into this much sooner than that. Because you're right, waiting until 17, they're already burnt out from high school. Um, I love high school. I love the option that we have and the opportunity we have to pour into kids. But if I'm being really honest, I'm not sure we're all doing high school the right way because it's one mold. It's one way of doing things. And if your child doesn't fit that way of doing things, then they're constantly being confronted every day with not fitting. And that's exhausting. So aside from that, you've got a 17 year old who's at the end of graduation, who's dying to get out. I just want to be done with school. I want to do it anymore. This is not the time to start having the conversation. Mm, So how old is the, like, when is the time to start these conversations? I would suggest that we start talking about careers and options as soon as our kids start noticing what other people do. It's not Mm. about telling them this is what you have to do. It's about, so we were in the doctors today. What did you notice? I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Because you know, it comes down to it. You start asking about 14, 15, the question comes around. So what are you going to do after high school? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with your life? And at that point, kids are like, what do you mean? I'm 14. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. How am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to do with my life? Nobody knows what they're supposed to do with their life at 14. And that's the point. We're supposed to kind of help them explore all of the different capabilities that they have, as -hmm. well as the different opportunities to use those capabilities in different ways. Um, I use the example that a child who might be, you know, a really good listener who their friends come to to help solve all their problems and all that kind of stuff, they, you know, they might get labeled as, oh, you'd be a great counselor. Well, you know, active listening and problem solving are crit- and critical thinking are skills that come into a multitude of careers, not just counseling. How can we help our children tease out those experiences mm-hmm. into something more than just the quick fix role we assign to it? And that's kind of where I think we can really use the power of coaching, right? As coaches, we know the power of helping our clients understand what's inside of them and helping them pull it out, examine it, take a look at it and decide what they want to do with it. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. You know, it's the same as true with our kids. 
Yeah. I was just thinking about like, I did an episode a little while ago on, on encouragement. Mm -hmm. And I I gave this example of my, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And when I was in college um, and I would call my dad and I would say, Hey, I'm thinking of majoring in in this. And he would immediately shut it down. Like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Or, you know, and then I'd wait a couple months, call him back, say, Oh, I think I'm going to major in this. Oh no, 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 that's not good. Like, and so instead of immediately going to judgment, opening it up to, well, what interests you about that? And, you know, tell me more, like getting curious and questioning more as opposed to immediately having an opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I support that. And I argue, I don't argue. I discuss that in the book. I discuss that a lot because I think that a lot of parents don't understand the whole coach approach to parenting. And to be honest, before I went through coaching training, I didn't either. I wasn't quite sure what that was all about. I knew that I was a good active listener. I knew that I understood what my children were trying to say, but I would often add my opinion. I would try and fix things as part of my personality. I'd want them to be out of pain and out of struggle. And I think that's what us as parents really want. We really want to help our children get to a place where they can be happy and successful. I don't think there's a single parent that's going to argue that that's not what they want for their child. How we get there though, can be much more effective as a coach rather than as a traditional parent that's telling our child what we think, because ultimately our children want to make us proud. Every Mm -hmm. teenager I've ever worked with, they're afraid of telling their parents sometimes what they want because they think they're going to disappoint their parents. They recognize how much we pour into them and they want to make sure that they're honoring that and paying that back, if you will. And in their brains, it looks like making sure they do what makes their parents happy. None of us as parents would ever want, we want them to do what they think is happy. But if they think that they're going to disappoint us because they don't measure up to maybe another sibling that we have championed because of the way they're doing something or friends, children, the way we talk about them or whatever, or maybe we've talked about a particular college all their life with the expectation they're going to go. None of that is negative, except if our child children feel that they don't have an opportunity to do what they really want, because it'll be a disappointment to them. Then we have that pushback. We have that feeling of getting stuck that our teenagers get into. And that's why I think that coaching approach can really help us as parents build a positive relationship with our child and help them own for themselves the decisions that they want to take to start on that path for their, for their future that they want. Yeah. So good. I love all of this. So you talk in the book about, um, there's sort of two parts, right? There's like, what are some other options besides a traditional four-year college? And then um, you give sort of a process for figuring it out, figuring it out with your child. So let's start with the first part. What what are the other options? Yeah. So there are five in total in their general, right? So the first one that I talk about in the book is the idea of a community college. And right now, community colleges or junior colleges are very popular in the news because there's a lot of discussion about whether or not they're going to be free. In some states, they are already. And in others, they're kind of discussing whether or not that's going to happen. And so the idea of a free education is amazing. You can also do at a community college three different types of trainings. You can get a traditional associate's degree, which will gain you transferability into a four-year college, but it will also gain you employable skills. You'll have a degree. You can do a certification program, which will get you certification in particular skills, anywhere from aeronautics to mechanics to, um, I'm trying to think of a couple others. You can even do things like hospitality and culinary. Mm -hmm. Those are all, can all be done in a traditional two-year college, depending on what's near you and what, you know, community colleges you're interested in looking at. So that's one option. And there are benefits and drawbacks to that. Benefits are, it's a lot less expensive 
Traditionally, you can finish an AA degree in anywhere between 18 and 24 months. Certification programs can sometimes take a lot less, but by the time you're done, you are employable much more so than a high school degree. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that too, real quick. Most of the comparisons that you see between four-year colleges, four-year college graduates, and non-four-year college graduates are based on just those who get a high school degree. So we're not talking about staying high school and that's being done. We're talking about high school and an option beyond. One would be a community college. A drawback to that is your child may not move out, right? They may be home for that, for those two years. They may not want to be home. They're saving money for on housing, but it may not be the best fit for them to stay at home. If they want to leave, they might want to think about a community college in another area, and they still might have to pay some out-of-state tuition. But there's a lot of opportunity within that community college realm. The next opportunity would be um, a trade school or apprenticeship program. And those are two very different things, but are both basically intertwined in vocational training. Apprenticeships, there are youth apprenticeships and adult apprenticeships. Youth apprenticeships can start as early as 16 or as a student is going to be a junior in high school, depending on where their age range falls there. Generally, it's an application process through an um, apprenticeship program. In South Carolina, there's Apprenticeship South Carolina, and it's actually housed at most of the community colleges. So you would apply through those um, channels to get into the program. Once you're in the program, you actually are spending the majority of your time in that industry, learning the skills in real time from mentors whose companies and whose mentors have actually signed on to want to train high school students. So let's be clear, this is not a, you're just showing up to do grunt work. This is a vested company that wants to train the next generation. You're also getting college credit because there are classes that go along with it that you're taking, but you're getting paid. You're getting paid a regular salary. You're getting paid um, bonuses if you can earn them, and you're getting uh, raises if you if you earn them as well. So you're getting a scalable wage during those two years. It's generally a two-year program. So when you're done, you have a resume that has two years of industry experience. You have networking with the company that you've been in and possibly other companies as well, depending on partnerships with that. And you generally have the option to either be hired on by that company or continue on with your training, depending on what you want to do and what industry that you're in. Those are really, really great opportunities for our kids because at the end of that particular option, if they want to continue getting their education, they can, but now they also have a way to earn income to be able to pay for that college degree if that's what they want to. They can go to school part-time, work part-time, whatever they might need to do. They've got a real skill that they've developed before they're 18. Mm-hmm. You can also do those as adults. So a graduate from high school who wants to do an apprenticeship can apply for the same kinds of apprenticeships. And they're generally the same types of industries, right? Most of them are the hands-on mechatronics, machinists. Um, there are culinary and hospitality ones out where we are because that's a big industry I'm in South Carolina and in the Charleston area. So it's a huge industry here. So it depends on where you live, what's offered, but there are a lot of opportunities in that. The other side of that are trade schools. And trade schools are specialized programs that give skills or give training to students in real time that are industry relevant at that moment. So you're being taught by people who are in the industry currently, and they are teaching you what you need to know to be successful in that particular industry. Their programs are anywhere from 18 to 24 months, and they generally are in any medical fields. Um, You can do... So I have to break it down in my head. I apologize. So you have medical fields, you have the trades fields, you have um, the technology fields, things like uh, cybersecurity, Um, you have the computer science fields. So you have a lot of STEM as well as a lot of um, 
humanities types that you can do. A trade school would also be considered um, like a cosmetology school as a trade school. Uh, if you think um, like out here, there's EPCI, it's called EPCI University, and they train you in all of the uh, initial medical fields. So a cert- certified nurses assistants, EMTs, and so on, so that you can enter into that field and either gain that work experience and then continue on to get your degree or continue working and getting experience. So that's the, the second option. Now, neither of these options, though, neither of the ones that you just talked about provide any kind of college credit, right? The apprenticeship does. The apprenticeship does apply because it's generally done through a community college, sometimes even through university. And you may not get a ton of college credit, but you will get at least, I think the one I was looking at here in South Carolina had, they had about... 20 credits by the time they were done because they were taking about up to 10 per semester. Cause remember the most of the time they're doing is spending learning in hands-on in real time, which if you were to add the time that they were spending in the industry as a college credit would be a ton more credits, but that's not kind of how you, you know, break mm-hmm. that down traditionally, but you can then take that information, either continue to get an AA degree at the community college or transfer to university and continue developing that knowledge. A trade school does not provide a community, excuse me, does not provide a college credit. It provides training, skill-based training and certification that allows you to gain employment. At that point, if a student wanted to go to school to get um, more experience, to get a higher level, they could absolutely go. And it would be an easier access point because they would not be coming in as a traditional freshman that might need an SAT score and so on. They would only need their transcript and be able to prove that they graduated high school. So it's it's a different dynamic depending on where you enter into the four-year process, should that be an option that you want to enter into. Okay. Okay. I'm getting overwhelmed, but okay. I know. <laughs> it, it is a lot. And I, I know this is a lot. And it's it's a lot to think about when you think about these different options. That's why I took the time to really write about them and give the pros and cons. And then I included in the book testimonies from students who chose that particular option and what it was like for them to make that choice and their parents, mm-hmm. what it was like to help them and watch them wrestle with the decision about what to do. So it is a lot, um, but I tried to keep it as simple as possible. So it just came across as, okay, this is the information. Now, if my child wants to learn more about it, the second part of the book is how to do that. So, um, but the next option is the military. And I know most parents, when I suggest the military, they immediately reject in a way because they don't want frontline. They don't want They don't want their child to go off and die in war. And I completely get that. And I respect that. But in my research, what I learned is that any civilian job is also represented in the military. So you can enter into the military to be a veterinarian. You can enter into the veterinary into the military to be a police officer. You can enter into the military to be a cosmetologist because they all need their own haircuts and so on. There's a lot. I would never have thought of those things. Like Exactly. And the culinary responsibilities of working in the military. So the military is like any other industry. They're looking for particular positions, opportunities, and so on. And so you have to, you know, tell them, this is what I'm most interested in doing. And they will say, we have an opening at this time and we don't, it's typical, but at the same time, the military is the only option that offers to pay you for your training offers to pay you to live, offers to give you a stipend for your meals and offers you travel around the world for free, depending on where you go, right? Mm, You can mm -hmm. stay domestic as well. And that's appealing. And it's also terrifying because a lot of us (laughs) know, oh my gosh, 
there's this boot camp thing and there's this hard training and there's yelling at my kids and all kinds of stuff. And I, and I get it. There's a lot of that stereotype around there, but there's multiple ways to enter into the military and have college. If that's a part of what the child, if your child wants that have college basically paid for. So you can enlist, which means you sign up at 18, you generally, or earlier, depending on when they graduate and have to have sign-offs and they can go through the basic training and skills development and so on. And while they're in, co- in the military, they can get free college, usually up to one free year while they're active duty for their first four years. And then after that, they have access to the GI bill, which will pay for the last three years of college. While they're in the military, again, they're being paid. So they're earning income as well. You can also go to a service academy. That would be like the Coast Guard Academy or the Naval Academy and so on. And you can enroll in those academies and then enter into the military as an officer, which is a very different access point. No matter what area or industry you want to enter into the military with, you enter into an officer, which means your basic training is really about a hotel stay for about a week, right? It's a very different experience. Or you can go to an ROTC program at a four-year college or university, and you can sign on to be part of the military. You can apply for ROTC scholarships, and you enter into the military when you're done and your college is paid for. I actually know one of my son's very good friends. She is in the ROTC program at Kentucky or Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. Oh, I have to remember. <laughs> and she's going to, she's wants to, her degree is going to be in inter- international work and she's going to the military so that she can get that experience because that's the best way for her to enter that field. And so there's a lot of opportunity for a military veteran to earn experience that would then help for their future career. It's not all about combat. In fact, I think when I was doing the research, I think about 15 to 20% is about combat. The rest of the military is about supporting that. And there's mm-hmm. a bazillion different ways to do that. So it's a, that's that's another option, right? So questions about that one before we move on? Because I know we're getting full with like information so much so far. I don't know. I mean, so does everybody who goes that route though still have to do like a basic training program or is it just people who are going into combat? Usually enlisted enlisted personnel, no matter what area they're spending, do go through a basic training, but their basic training may have various aspects to it, depending on the career position that they're earning, like the career training that they're getting. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some basic training stuff, but you know, when I think about it, for the most part, having our children go through developing a structure with a group of people that they're going to be close to, that they're going to spend a lot of time to, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, get worried because they might be pressured to have to do, you know, climbing through mud and going over ropes and all kinds of stuff, the things that we see on TV. But the idea is it may not be as scary or as difficult as we think, but it is ultimately up to our child to determine whether or not they want to embrace that kind of a choice. It's hard as parents to say, but I don't know if I'm comfortable with you doing that. I don't know if I'm okay with it, but we really have to remember it's not about us because they have to live that future, not us. Mm. And mm-hmm. so it's a hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. as a parent. Yes. <laughs> we may have things that we want our children to do and they choose not to, or we don't want our children to do and they choose to, but at the same time, that's their, that has to be their choice as a young adult to be able to step into and do. So that's the, that's the other option that we have that is in there. And then we talk about um, the process of a collegiate athlete, which is, touted as this wonderful opportunity to get college fully paid for. And there are opportunities for that for sure, especially at the D one level. And that's what everybody wants to get in that whole full ride kind of thing. But when you do the deeper research for the NCAA, 
the percentage of students in any sport across the country that actually get a full ride scholarship is less than 1% and it drops down from football bound, depending mm. on the sport. So it's not actually a great way to do it. However, it is an access point for a lot of students to be able to go to college and to be able to get some experience, um, not only in their sport that would help them maybe get to the next level, but also gives them the opportunity to earn an education. The problem is, and the flip side of that is, are they willing to stay in college to get that degree versus getting there just to play and see if it works out and, and maybe not stay or maybe not even be able to do the schoolwork. So that's the, that's the hard part with the athletes that I'm working with now. It's about what minimum grades do they need to get so they can get into play. And is that yeah. the dynamic we want them to do, especially if they're not getting a full ride to, to go to that school in the first place. So I talk about that briefly in the book as well. Um, and then I talk about that, that's, that option of the five year, excuse me, the four-year college in itself, because I think we need to really pay attention to what is the reality of a four-year school right now. It's very different than what you and I went to school. The application process is very different. And even after COVID, things are dramatically changing on a regular basis. Whether or not SAT scores or ACT scores are going to be continued to be required, whether or not um, fees are going to stay the same or if they're going to drop down or what that's going to look like, needs to all be part of that conversation because it is the most expensive option that our child can sign on to do. Doesn't mean that it's not viable, but it may not be the one that is the best for that student to start off with. And so that's kind of what I helped parents see is this is what it looks like to get into college. This is what your GPA is required for. And in fact, the only option a GPA is required for is that for your college. Beyond that, no other option requires a GPA. They just require you to have an actual high school diploma. Mm-hmm. So that whole pressure about grades and so on is minimized depending on the option you go to. So those are the, those are the different options. I want to make sure I got them all. So we talked about community colleges, apprenticeships and trade school programs, we talked about the military, about college recruiting and four-year colleges. And I just want to make sure. I think it sounds like you covered all of them. I feel like I'm missing. So, oh, gap season. That was it. We oh, right, right, right. I'm like, I know I'm missing one. So the gap season, we, and we did talk about that a little bit already. And I do, I do encourage parents to take a look at it with their child because it doesn't have to be a gap season on its own. Um, most people don't consider the travel abroad semester in college as a gap season, but that's actually a classification of a gap season because they're taking experience at a different location and learning from it. Sometimes they're in classes, sometimes it's an internship and so on. Um, But gap seasons can be fantastic ways for students to transition from one season of life to another. can be a great transition from high school into four-year college if that's their choice, but also can be a transition into career opportunities. If they're not sure what career they want, a gap season can offer an internship-type experience that would help them learn. Um, Malia Obama was actually pretty famous about that option. She wasn't sure if this was the career she wanted to go into, so she spent a year um, in the internship for, I think it was probably not somebody that we need to talk about anymore, but still she <laughs> had that experience. And that's kind of what we can talk about. We don't normally think about gap seasons as a strategic opportunity to learn about a career, gain networking experience, and actually gain some skill development that helps refine what degree we may need or may not need, or our child needs or may not need. But it can also be something they do while they're in college, after college, before they start careers, and think about it at a broader base of learning, uh, an opportunity to develop more than book knowledge about a subject or about even just a career that they want to have. Um, I have a, I had a client who 100% knew that college was not her place, did not want to go, but had no idea how to move forward. And upon working together, we realized, or she finally got to the place where she could share with me the big dream that she had. 
and didn't know how to make that happen. And what we discovered is that the skills that she wanted, she could learn in various gap season programs. And so we researched all those programs and she's happily signed up for several that over the next 10 months, will give her all the certifications that she needs to start the company that she really wants to start. And so mm-hmm. she's not just starting a company and going off, she's learning, but it's not in the traditional way. And that's, I think the biggest thing that we need to look at as parents is how can we help our children decide how to learn what they think they want to learn. And along the way, they're bound to make different choices, but how can we help them understand what that could look like and what options can we put in front of them to make the choice from? Yeah. Wow. And you, and you lay out in the book, you know, the process for figuring out which option is best for your child Mm -hmm. with lots of different questions and, and discussion points. I get, do you want to briefly touch on, on any of that? Yeah, sure. I'll start with this. My daughter is 24. Mm -hmm. When I was going through coaching training, we, you know, we had to have that initial practice discussion with someone to use our skills to see how we did. My daughter happened to call that night and she was processing about her own future. And I said, well, let me try and coach you through this. And 45 minutes later, she said, mom, this is the best conversation we've ever had. And (laughs) you get to be my coach for life. And now we have conversations and she called me and I said, do you want coach mom or you want mom, mom? And Mm -hmm. I need coach mom for this. Okay. So we've learned to separate that out. So I want to share with you that this works. I use the same process with my own son, who is a collegiate athlete. Um, and is pursuing a degree in sports management and event entertainment because you know he wants to run a soccer program. That's his whole. That's his whole thing. He wants to do international. That's where he's going. So, but we had to help him process through that. And these questions are the same questions that I use with my own children. They're also the same questions I use with clients and my students when I was teaching high school. So I know that they work. What comes down to is developing that mindset that we need to have as parents to really be thinking through with open mind helping our children come to a decision rather than leading them to the one that we think that may, might be best for them. So a lot of it comes down to just thinking about if your child has no idea what to do, starting with the basics, what is important to them? What are their values? What do they know about the way the world works that they appreciate or things that they want to change? Those are often starting points of looking into, well, if that's something you want to change, how could you go about changing that? What might that involve for you? And so it can often create a lot of different conversation starters. And then there's, you know, researching all of the 16 different industries. There's only 16 of them and all of them house every career available. So how, how do we determine what those careers are? We just start looking at each of the career industries and it just takes time. This is why I suggest we start a little earlier. It's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing if you start late. I mean, there's no late, right? You never can be too late in creating a future because there's always an opportunity to do it. So you just start where you can start and build from there. Um, And then the questions kind of work through each option to help a child identify if this option is right for them or not. And they're not about the parent doing the research. It's about helping your child own that choice, do that research, find out for themselves what would be beneficial for them and what would not be beneficial for them. And ultimately, hopefully come to the decision about which option or combination of options will be the best fit for them to get where they want to go that they know of today. Because as Mm -hmm. we know, we all change our minds. And they're going to change their mind too. We can just help them take that first step. Okay. Now, if parents are feeling like, I would imagine that that the parents would reach out to you and hire you if A, these types of conversations just 
aren't done in a, in a calm, you know, uh, it's just too triggering for either the kid or the parent or both. Um, and they kind of need a a mediator or, or that it's just too overwhelming and time consuming for the parents. So they, they would want to hire you, right? Absolutely. In fact, Mm -hmm. I do suggest to parents that the teenage years should not be fraught with fighting and arguing and all kinds of things about this particular subject. I cannot speak. (laughs) There's plenty of that in other areas, right? Right. There's plenty of other areas, right? (laughs) But in this regard, this should be an exciting time, but it's often Mm. brought with, like you said, frustration or closed, you know, mindedness from the student to even want to listen to their parents. And I get it. I can say the same things you say, and they'll listen to me differently than they listen to you. I mean, that's just how kids are. My goodness. (laughs) <laughs> but that's that's how I work with that's I definitely work with um, teenagers and help them identify what's most important to them. But I also work with those parents if they want to own this relationship with their child and they want to build that relationship and how do I do this? Then we walk through that process and I help them understand by coaching them through that because I don't have the answers for them with their child, but I know the questions to ask and help okay. the answers that they want because I don't want to tell a parent this is how you're supposed to do this because I don't know that child. I don't know their dynamic and their relationship, but I can help them identify what's going to work and what's not and test it out for themselves and see the same with the teenagers. I don't ever prescribe a future because how am I to know what that child's future could hold? I won't limit. I'll say, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And how are we going to get there? And I help them identify each of those parts. And we start researching together and finding out what it is that's out there. Um, And that generally does calm things down between parents and teenagers because they no longer have to bug their kid about it because it's being taken care of. Um, And then parents on their own get to start just appreciating and enjoying what their teenager is learning about themselves. Awesome. So do you ever coach the teens and the parents together or simultaneously, like individually, but at the same time, how does that work? Yeah, I do. Actually, I find that it's, it depends on the parent and teenager dynamic. Because as you know, coaching relationships feed on confidentiality. Yeah. A child uh, or, you know, needs to feel that they're safe to be able to explore things without being judged or criticized, which is mm-hmm. what I provide. Not that parents don't find out because I don't keep secrets. They're minors. But I do share with parents, this is where your child wanted to start today. Here's where we ended up in terms of that discussion. Here are the action steps they came up with to move forward with. A lot of the in-between back and forth discussion may not be part of those notes. So when I work with a coach, I have to be very careful to make sure that I'm not breaking that confidentiality of that child, but also helping that parent to build their relationship the way they want to build that relationship so that they can have the conversations they want to have with their child. And so it can be a very fine line and a very tricky circumstance. So it does depend on the parents and the child, if they're willing to allow that dynamic to play out of not, not having me as that confidant who gets to tell them everything that their child's saying, then we can make it work. But if the parent just wants me to coach them because they want to know all the answers and know how to get their kid to do what they want, then I, I then I don't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Good distinction there. And do you work with people outside of South Carolina? I do actually. I had a client in California. Um, that's where I have family. And so my sister is exceedingly proud of what I do. And so I've worked with her children and she's referred me to some of her friends, which is fantastic. The hardest part I find is the time difference sometimes is, is prohibitive because teenagers are generally in school all day. And so the later the afternoon, the harder it is. However, summer tends to be a fantastic opportunity to work with teenagers because they're a lot less stressed. There's not a lot of school happening in their world where they have to focus on these other things. And they have a lot more freedom to kind of explore what it is they might be interested in. 
And so I do work a lot with students across the country over the summer, not necessarily in the school year. All right, great. I want you to tell us where we can find you and more about what you offer. You obviously know your stuff when it comes to this topic. And there's just, it, it's opened up my, my mind to, you know, just questioning, like I said before, just questioning this belief that I have that this is the best route for my kids. And I don't know, I have to give it some more thought, at least be open. I mean, at least be open to like having these conversations with my kids and, and, and starting to explore it with them more. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. And I think that's, that's the success, right? Is having, is having a conversation with parents to have them think about it in a different way. There's no right answer. Yeah. What, what, where do you wrestle with this? What, what is about it? How do you think through this and how do you invite your child into that discussion so that together you're looking at all of it next to each other, not on opposing sides. And, you know, we didn't, one thing to keep in mind is there are certain careers that require college. Okay. That's fantastic. Now we have to pick the right college to make the right fit. And that's all we need to do. That's fantastic. But thinking it through from the perspective of careers that changes the dynamic. And that's kind of where I start with, it's about the career so that you're investing your time and money in the most appropriate way. So there's not a waste. And then if there's college in the books, then you know exactly why you're going, how to go and how long you have to be there. So it's not about it not being something. It's about what is the best combination of options to help that child be successful. And do you recommend any, any books like, um, you know, what color is your parachute for teens or, you know, something like that to start them thinking about their career path? You know, there's so many different resources that I hesitate to recommend any because it all comes down to individual child. Most teenagers aren't necessarily going to read a book. You know, very rarely are they going to pick up a book and read, especially in high school, because they're inundated with knowledge on a regular basis. But I do recommend parents learning things like their personality type, their learning style. They learn things like, you know, if you're into Enneagram, understanding that benefit not using it as the only marker, but getting to know your child outside of what you knew about them as they grew up. How, what is your child now like at 14, 15, all the way through to 18? Because they're morphing all the time. They're different. Observe, watch, figure out, you know, watch how they interact with things and whatever resources help you learn more about your child, read them, read about like your child's love language, read about whatever else that is interesting to them so that you can get that background. So when they talk to you, you maybe know how to respond in a different way. And so that's probably the best advice I could give about what other resources to read. Cause there's a bazillion great things mm-hmm. out there that we can talk that we can talk about. But for me to say, there's only one or two that I think I recommend it's probably limiting for those other authors who are doing great jobs trying to help <laughs> children. Well, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything else? Um, that you feel like we we didn't touch on or that we missed that you want to make sure my my listeners leave with? You know, I think you said it when you start talking about that fear that you have about what's going to happen to your child if they don't, right? And so as parents listen to that fear, fear is often a liar. And so what is that fear really about? Um, I have had parents come to me and find the realization that their fear is about they thought they'd be a bad parent if their child didn't do this particular option, or they were afraid of being judged by other people because their child didn't go to college and they would be thought of less than. And so those are important fears to pay attention to and really process how you really want to deal with those fears because they're real in our brains until we put them out on paper and go, wait, is that even a valid fear? Mm -hmm. So that would be the one thing I, I suggest parents do because we have to let ourselves off the hook. You know, parenting is tough. 
And you're doing a fantastic job as a parent just by showing up every day. What happens as a result is up to your child too. It's not always about how much you did or didn't do that made them successful. Yes, 100%. Wow. Thank you so, so much, Stephanie. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah. Um, Website, social media, all that good stuff. Absolutely. One of the best ways to get a, you know, a bunch of free information from me and just get connected is to join the Facebook group I have. It's called College is Not Mandatory. Um, and I love to share all kinds of insights and videos and such in that group just for that group. You can also find me and get some more information about me on, um, on my website, which is stephaniehaines.net. And that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.net. And there's a bunch of information on there about who I am and where my philosophy is, as well as the kind of different services that I offer and information about the book can be found there as well. Um, you can find me on Instagram as at edcoachstephhaines. Um, and so if you want to follow me on Instagram too, that would be fantastic because I tend to put a lot of information out there too. Just, just different tips because yes, the book is out there. Yes. I love to coach students and parents, but I'm only one person. So if I can help give away as much information as possible and help much more, many more parents that way, um, then I'm happy to do so. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can refer to that as well. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'll probably be in touch because my older daughter is a sophomore this year. And so we're kind of like starting this whole process now. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. And this is, this is a great time to start that process because there's yeah. a little pressure. Um, in fact, on my blog, I wrote uh, four different posts. They're called timeline for success for each school year. And so there's mm. one on there for um, sophomore and freshman year. They're kind of combined because they're somewhat overlap. And so that might help guide some discussions too about what to kind of do during this year to help them build that success towards what's coming at the end of high school. Great. I will check it out. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I, I just love having this opportunity and I really do appreciate it. So thank you. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.